The opinions expressed on I Care Out Loud are mine and those of my guests. They should not be considered the opinions of either Ocular Surgery News or Slack Incorporated, although you and I both know they should be. Hi, this is Dr. Daryl White. Welcome to podcast number one of Ophthalmology Out Loud. I'm pretty sure that we think the same things about ophthalmology, but I've got a chance to say it out loud. Some time ago, Dave Mullen, who's the senior editorial director of Ocular Surgery News, reached out and asked if I wanted to do a blog post. And I had never met Dave, and apparently he'd had some friends who had read some of my personal blog things and reached out and figured that there was only so much damage I can do with three or 400 words every couple of weeks. And I said, sure, that'd be fun. And I started writing the dry eye blog for OSN. After maybe about a year or so, Dave called up and said, hey, how about a, uh, a column? My instant response was, haven't you been reading my blog? And he said, yeah. I said, well, you know, seems like your editors are, you know, varying degrees of, you know, in agita because I'm making them anxious with them writing. And he says, ah, no problem. Go ahead and write the column. So, you know, 12, 1400 words and having some fun. And earlier this year, Dave gave me a holler and said, hey, we're enjoying the stuff you're doing about dry eye. How'd you like to do a podcast on pretty much anything you'd like? My response once again was, you have been reading my column, haven't you? Uh, <laughs> he said, yeah, sure, have have at it. So this is a great opportunity for me because my blog and my uh, column have both been largely related to dry eye, which is something that we do a lot at Sky Vision Centers, my practice, but kind of limiting. And I certainly have some thoughts about other things. And it will also allow me to answer my friends' questions. You know, there have been all these concerned calls that I'm receiving. Hey, Daryl, you know, do you still operate? I mean, all this dry eye stuff is great, but, you know, it, it's kind of sad that you're a medical ophthalmologist now. And I said, no, 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 I still operate. I still still do cataract surgery, still do LASIK, still do lots of lots of stuff. And, uh, you know, maybe if my, my friends and, and uh, comrades around the country hear me talking about stuff on the podcast, they'll realize that, yeah, I, I'm, uh, I'm doing the whole thing. So who am I? Who am I? And, and why should you care what I think? Well, frankly, that's one of the things that we think about in common. You know, what, why should you care about what an anterior segment surgeon just outside of Cleveland, Ohio, has to say about anything, even dry eye? And uh, let me give you a couple little insights on who I am, how I got to where I, where I am now. And hopefully that will pique your interest enough that you'll tune in every now and again. I guess the best way to describe where I am career-wise is I'm finishing up the middle of my career. I'm 58 years old, been doing this for about 30 years. And uh, I think the cool, one of the cool things about being an ophthalmologist is that your prime lasts for an awfully long time. So I personally think I'm still in my prime, but mm, you can see the, uh, the, the, the last three innings coming up. But I've had an opportunity to see an awful lot of things. My good friend Bill Petriello, general surgeon, has described physicians as little more than paid observers. And if nothing else, I have been paying attention. 
I started in practice, in private practice, right out of the box and uh, have always been in private practice. So I'm going to have the disclaimer right up front that those of you who are in uh, academic practices or in practice in very, very large institutional multi-specialty settings are going to be having an experience which is different from mine. And while I certainly am greatly sympathetic and empathetic in, in places where I can be, I'm not going to understand your practice as well. And you might not understand mine. So I'll try my very best not to be too private practice centered when we talk about kind of broad brush things. So how did I get into ophthalmology? How did I end up as an eye doctor? I am the son of an English teacher and a cardboard-in-the-shoes kid. My dad grew up in Waltham, just outside of Boston, and was one of six. And then my grandfather uh, remarried after my grandmother passed away. And I think my dad had six step-siblings as well. My dad was the only one of 12 to go to college, and he was an industrial engineer. My mom, son of two, uh, daughter of two educators, was actually in my dad's industrial engineering courses at the University of Vermont. But back in the day, in the late 50s, a little bit more difficult for women to break out of some of the more so-called traditional uh, career paths. And when my mom and dad settled in central Massachusetts, my mother became a teacher while my dad went to work for what is probably the oldest ophthalmic manufacturing company in the United States, American Optical. And AO may have been one of the earliest two or three companies in the world making all kinds of stuff ophthalmic. American Optical made spectacle frames, they made lenses, they made cases for glasses, and some of the very first laser work actually occurred at uh, American Optical as well. And my dad's career started there, and he kind of worked his way around their management program and ended up running all of their divisions for a period of time. He then left and went to work for a relatively small, very, very old ophthalmic manufacturing company in Rhode Island called Martin Copeland. And when I was growing up, I didn't even have a notion that there was a medical specialty for uh, eyes. I grew up around optometrists, opticians, and fashion designers because Martin Copeland made spectacle frames. And my dad's job was to run the factory initially, and then he ended up running the whole company. And I learned about making stuff, and I learned about selling stuff. So when I went to medical school, I really was still kind of unaware that there was this other part of eye care. I went to medical school after my football career ended, which was not too terribly surprising since I'm really not that big a guy and there was no way that my body was going to play anything beyond the Division Three football that I did play. But I arrived at the University of Vermont as a washed-up, partially brain-damaged ex-football player, and everyone at UVM just assumed that I would go into orthopedic surgery. Frankly, I did too. But I took a flyer on an ophthalmology uh, rotation during my third year of medical school and just fell in love. We had, I mean, we just had the coolest stuff in ophthalmology. I saw cataract surgery, I saw retinal surgery, and I saw lasers. I mean, come on, lasers. Lasers are to medical care like bacon is to 
life. You know, why'd you do that for dinner? <laughs> Bacon. Why'd you go into ophthalmology? Lasers. Lasers are just cool. Everything we have is cool. And I was just absolutely smitten. Ended up at NYU. And after NYU, a very brief year and a half in an academic private practice, and then ended up here in Cleveland. I have been a practicing anterior segment surgeon since 1990, and my practice is, uh, I think, one-third traditional surgery, one-third dry eye, and one-third everything else. I'm starting to do much more cataract surgery than I have for many years, and of course the dry eye thing has been a really big deal for me. So what do I have to say? Why do I have to say anything? You know, what makes me different from anybody else who's out there practicing anterior segment surgery? And, uh, you know, the short answer is nothing. Nothing. I'm, I'm just the guy with the microphone. But I have spent a lot of time thinking about the intersection between medicine and commerce, between healthcare and commerce, because I'm the only doctor in the family. Nobody else went to medical school. My siblings went into business or finance. Uh, as I said, my dad wasn't in healthcare and my mom wasn't in healthcare. And I don't have any aunts or uncles or cousins who do anything like what we do. So I went into medicine, but I kind of had that half an ear out for the business aspects of it. Early on in my career, like, you know, a lot of us, when I was in my early 30s, I loved the sound of my own voice, and people in industry picked up on that, and I started to get some offers to do some talking and maybe doing a little bit of consulting, and uh, we had a meeting of the board of directors for White Family, Inc. I am not the chairperson of the board of directors of White Family, Inc. That position is held by my better 95%, Beth. And she said, listen, if this is what you really want to do, I'm all for it. I got your back. I'll give you 100% of my support. But if you're just doing this because you think it'd be kind of fun, frankly, I'd just as soon have you home for dinner. We have these three kids here, and I could use the help. And so at age 35 or 36, I basically said thanks so much and dropped out of the whole key opinion leader, speaker, uh, consulting gig. And for 10 or 12 years, I just went to work. But just going to work, I think, is where I found my voice. I went to work, and all day, every day, five days a week, I took care of patients. And like so many of us in the 90s, I did everything. I did medical retina. I did glaucoma. I did dry eye in the earliest days where dry eye could be considered one of our subspecialty interests. And I did lots of refractive surgery. Very, very fortunate. My senior partner was very open to expanding what the practice did and was also very open to allowing me as the very junior partner to participate in radial keratotomy, PRK, and then LASIK. And I had a chance to be right in on the ground floor of all of those things. Fast forward to 2003, and I ended up with carpal tunnel syndrome and had to have both of my wrists operated on and sat around for six weeks with really nothing to do. And during that six weeks, I spent a lot of time looking at healthcare, 
economic forecasts, things of that sort. And I came to the conclusion that I wanted a different kind of practice and left the big practice where I was, started the smaller practice, and uh, went right into the teeth of the American recession. You learn a lot of lessons about economics if you're on the wrong end of the strategy spectrum in a recession. But with that time on my hands, we reconvened the board of directors of White Family, Inc., and the chairperson said, you know, I, I, I bet your friends would be interested in hearing about your experience. And sure enough, they were. I was very, very fortunate that some of the guys who were young in their careers when I was very young in mine were all of a sudden positions of some authority in the companies. And we had a chance to sit down and bat around some of my ideas. And I was back in the game of having people listen to me but I had a little bit more to say because I spent those 10 or 12 years just going to work. No different from any of you. It's what we do. We go to work. We take care of patients. We go to the operating room. We keep people from losing their vision. We make people's vision better. We got a really cool gig. But our gig is a little bit different from some of the other things in medicine and because of that, there are some really interesting things for us to talk about. We have a huge demographic advantage in comparison with some of our colleagues in other specialties. We have this huge baby boom generation which is flying through our practices, and they need us, and there are barely enough of us. We have the echo boom and those are the folks who are just now starting to have dry eye. Those are the folks who are still having laser refractive surgery. And there are barely enough of us to take care of them. I have some thoughts on that. I have a really, really fortunate circumstance that I get to spend a lot of time with the people who run business units in the industry that supports our practices. And I'd love to be able to give you my insight on that and love to kind of be the, uh, the connector between the behind-the-scenes stuff in industry and the sharp end of the spear, if you will, when we're sitting across from our patients at the slit lamp or under the microscope. I'd like this to be kind of freewheeling, and I'd like to have a conversation. If you're interested, I'm pretty reachable. My email will be available on the podcast, and if you email me, and if you're even reasonably cordial, I'll answer. I'm interested in ideas. I'm interested in the exchange of ideas, and I'm very interested in debating ideas. I'm not interested at all in debating people. I'm not interested in at all in talking about personalities, and I'm not interested at all in gossip and innuendo. I'm really interested in ideas. And I'm really interested in new ideas. And I'm especially interested in learning lots and lots of stuff that I'm sure that you know that I don't know. Really, the only difference between us is that I think we think the same stuff. Pretty sure we've got the same questions. I just happen to have a microphone in front of me, and I get to talk about it out loud. So if you're game, I'm here. 
we can have interviews, we can have conversations, you can ask me questions, and I can answer them in the podcasts. As I say whenever I speak, I love the sound of my own voice, and if you don't stop me, I'll just keep talking. Uh, But my bet is that you've got some thoughts that you'd like to share too. So what do you say? Let's make this kind of fun. This is podcast number one, and who knows how many are to follow. We're thinking the same stuff. I think we have the same questions. I'm just going to say it out loud. This is Dr. Daryl White, Ophthalmology Out Loud, podcast number one. See you soon.